we're looking at Revelstoke in 2073. Our lasting success as a destination is going to ultimately drive our long-term success as a community and city. 50 years into the future. This process is ultimately really community-driven. You're going to have a much bigger impact than you imagine. You're listening to Think Revelstoke. This is the first episode of a podcast that is running in parallel with our destination management journey here in Revelstoke. This show is not only about the future of tourism in Revelstoke, but also the greatest challenges of today's tourism destinations, along with the most inspiring solutions. We're speaking to you from beautiful Revelstoke, British Columbia, a city on the territory of four nations where we live, work, and adventure. The Sinaiqs, the Shishwapmek, the Silks, and the Tunaha. I'm Rodney Payne, CEO at Destination Think. And I'm Robin Goldsmith, Destination and Sustainability Manager at Tourism Revelstoke. As part of this podcast, we'll be reaching out to industry experts, tourism leaders, and our local community to gain insights on how we can create a better future for tourism in Revelstoke. Think Revelstoke is a show that will parallel our destination management planning journey in Revelstoke, where Robin and I will be sharing what we learn as we talk to people through the process and talk to experts around the world. And it's really an attempt to try and flip inside out the planning process so everyone else can come on this, this learning and journey with us. I think, you know, beginning this journey and, and I'm fairly new to this destination marketing and management role is um, I've just found so many interesting resources and so many articles that I would just love to gather in one place and share with both our community and, and the broader world and anyone who's interested in thinking about tourism. So I'm looking forward to having this podcast as a place where we can really share some of those big ideas that are informing the tourism industry and travel as a whole. In my role as CEO at Destination Think, I've been privileged to work with some incredibly inspiring people over the last decade or more all over the world and planning for big countries and entire continents like Europe and working down in the South Pacific and Australia and, and all through North America. And I'm incredibly excited to try to bring that learning home to the place that we live and, and see how we can really strengthen Revelstoke and, and hopefully uh, help others to learn from what we've done in our planning here so that they can learn in, in their own places. And I'm a little little newer and a little greener uh, to this industry, but um, I do have a background actually in the delivery end of tourism, so a background in guiding, uh, and then moved into more the business end, working for Tourism Revelstoke, um, starting in a, in a marketing role as a media coordinator and now moving into a new role that we created, which is the Destination and Sustainability Manager. Uh, so we've been on this journey for a little while at, at Tourism Revelstoke and recently teamed up with Destination Think to take this a little forward, a little further forward. So um, really excited to have this opportunity to chat with some folks throughout the world. And really excited to go on this journey with you, Robin. One of the things that I smile about is that we, uh, we both are uh, reformed lawyers who've joined tourism. And I, uh, I didn't get all the way through to practicing, but I did study law and environmental law um, in, in university. 
and you were more recently a lawyer. We both sort of share passion for skiing and mountain biking. And I think one of my first jobs in tourism was the the marketing role at a ski resort in Australia on the on the radio. Uh, so it'll be it'll be exciting to to go down memory lane and um, to see how we can uh, help with this this very important work. Yeah, I think in a, another thing we're we're bringing to this is uh, just a passion for for place, a passion to visit uh, other places in the world and sort of see a future of travel continue. Uh, that interaction uh, with our world at large, I think is really important to me and, and I see it as being really important to you as well, um, getting to experience different cultures. So um, I'm looking forward to having that worldwide reflection on Revelstoke as we take on this planning journey. Revelstoke is facing many of the same challenges as other destinations around the world. We're all operating in a macro context where you know, interest rates have been very low for a long time and prices are rising, energy is getting more expensive and resources are getting more expensive. Property markets in many countries and cities around the world have become affordable for a, a large number of people. And within that, tourism has boomed. We've, you know, we've had prices falling over the last decade or more, air access increasing, options for um, staying in other people's homes increasing, and um, we've seen an explosion in tourism. And those, those two factors combined um, create challenges and opportunities uh, for Revelstoke and many other places. We see the issues um, that we're facing here reflected in in a number of different places around the world and, and destinations that I wouldn't really see as being particularly similar, um, for example, Venice um, or some of our beach destinations. But when we look at our comparable mountain communities and the places with ski resorts like Aspen or Banff or Whistler or Queenstown, uh, we really see, you know, just a mirror image of the issues we're facing. And I think there's a lot of learning that we can share with each other uh, to help guide all of these destinations as we try to become better for our residents. It's really important that you're taking this journey at Tourism Revelstoke. I think a lot of other places would be envious of the way you're able to tackle this and you know the resources and focus it's being given. And it is critically important for the community that we start wrestling with some really difficult problems, right? Some of the things we're going to be engaging with and, and talking to others about on this show and, and talking to the community about over the coming months uh, are not easily solved. If they were, we, we would see that in other places. And we will find solutions as we look around the world, uh, but we'll have to make sure that they're fundamentally um, appropriate for Revelstoke and that this process is ultimately really community driven. So working on this uh, project, we've taken a, a long-term lens on this and are looking towards Revelstoke in 50 years. So Revelstoke 2073 is our guiding principle. And the reason we wanted to do that and to focus so far into the future is because it's really important to reflect on the future when we're taking steps today. Uh, the actions we take now will certainly have an impact 50 years down the line and farther. Um, so we're, we're working on the principle of Revelstoke 2073 and I look forward to asking uh, our guests about what their thoughts are on, on what our world will look like in 50 years. Because we need to nurture what really matters to Revelstoke. We can't let our home become an extractive adventure Disneyland. We need to protect 
and proactively shape our future and make sure we're competitive for the long term in a way that we can bolster our local economy in a really responsible way that works for us. And we need to solidify a foundation to guide funding and investments, especially in anticipation of becoming a designated recipient for uh, further uh, tourism funding to support these efforts. Our lasting success as a destination is going to ultimately drive our long-term success as a community and city. And so I'm really excited to go on this journey with you, Robin, and talk to Marsha Waldron today about which way she's taking Destination Canada. Marsha is the CEO at Destination Canada and the former CEO of Destination British Columbia. So what a fantastic way to kick off the series and start our journey in long-term destination planning by talking to Marsha from her cabin in House Sound. Good afternoon to both of you. So Marsha, we decided that we'd have this, this radio show on Rebel Stokes local channel here and, and also turn it into a podcast series in case we can inspire others with some of the things that we've learned on the journey. And we're, we're trying to flip inside out the planning process a little bit. And we thought since, uh, since you've run our provincial DMO recently and now you're leading uh, Canada's tourism industry at Destination Canada, that what an incredible way to start by hearing from you where you're taking the industry and that, you know, that our local industry can hear that. Well, I'm happy to share what I can. Um, we're on a, we're on a journey just like many. And uh, so, you know, the, the elements of destination development and destination stewardship are um, probably almost as new to us as they are to other parts of the industry. And so, uh, one of the approaches we have is just to commit to being on the learning journey together and uh, and sharing where we can what we know. Could you describe for us the the vision and the, the general direction that Destination Canada is taking with, with respect to both marketing and the, the learning journey that you mentioned? Well, first of all, we had to take a step back and, and really think about, you know, what do we want our tourism industry to be in the future and what is it really contributing um, to our life as Canadians. I think that, um, you know, as we looked at the growth of tourism across the world, many destinations were thinking about what the growth trajectory looked like ahead, how aggressive that was. Um, this is all in the absence of, of course, uh, a, a pandemic hitting us. But, you know, when we thought about what was the, um, what was the world going to look like when travelers were everywhere and what did that do to communities? Was it homogenizing them? Was it still making communities livable? Was it really delivering the best of what communities could offer and as hosts and welcoming environments? So, you know, to really get the right kind of growth in tourism, we wanted to ensure that we were thinking about that whole system, if you will, and not just growing for growth's sake or inviting more and more visitors um, into our country without really thinking hard about what kind of guests we want to host in our home, uh, whether or not they were actually contributing to our way of life and what that might look like if we were to think differently about how to promote and develop tourism in the future. So for us, it culminated in um, a new aspiration and um, an, a new statement, a vision statement, most people would call it, we call it an aspiration for our industry, 
And that is that, um, you know, tourism contributes to the wealth and well-being of all of Canada while enriching the lives of our guests. So it's not purely just about more guests. It's not purely tourism for its own sake. It's that this is an industry that has lots to contribute. Um, and ultimately, it should be about enhancing the world of the people who live here. And so how do we think about tourism and its capacity for doing that? I love that vision. And I think it ties together a lot of individual challenges and opportunities that we've been trying to tackle in a piecemeal way for years at, in different parts of the world. You know, over tourism in, in some cities that are sort of a canary in the coal mine. I'm thinking about big European cities that are, um, you know, inundated with visitors and a lot of the um, incredible work being done down in New Zealand in, in various ways. And, and I think packaging it up in that way is, is a great way to lead the country forward. One of the things uh, I've, I've read and heard you speak about is a broader range of stakeholders. Can you talk to us about what you mean when you think, mm -hmm. think about that? Well, probably one of the most obvious missing pieces in the conversation for a very long time about how tourism should grow is being um, the actual hosts of a community, the residents that live there um, and their stake in how this industry would impact their way of life, their, the community they live in and, and what they hope to share with the world about their community. Um, so, you know, it's, it's including residents in the conversation we feel is important, um, not just for their own sake, but also for the long-term sake of our industry. You know, having the support of residents and what we call social license, which is, uh, you know, when Canadians actually want to uh, welcome and encourage tourism, you have social license with them. And it also supports you with the local and, and local governments and governments at every level. When the population is supportive of an industry, then policy decisions, investments, etc., flow from that because it's seen as important to um, voters and to um, people that live in the country. You talk about, and I, I've read you say this uh, in a couple of places, is, is attracting a, a high-value visitor who has a deeper interest in truly knowing a place and its people. What do you mean by that? Who are those visitors? Well, first of all, high value visitor for many, many years, um, you know, is equated with uh, most often spend, you know, or people immediately thinking, think you're um, only interested in attracting people for luxury travel. And that's not at all what we mean. In fact, when we talk about a high value visitor, we often put the, an S on the end of value as a high values visitor. Because what we do want is, yes, people that have the means to and you know, spend their money and, and help with the prosperity of, of Canada, but also that engage with us in the, in the right kind of ways, that um, come here to appreciate what our culture has to offer, that want to um, take the time to get to know our places and our people that spend money on local, um, on local goods and local um, food and drink, and that um, care for uh, the, the land that we're on, that are respectful of the land and the people that they engage with. So 
it's really looking for the high values visitor that want that seek self enrichment through the way that they engage while traveling. A lot of what we're talking about can manifest in quite a significant shift from the way we've done business for a number of decades now, where we're, we're not always putting that lens over who we're inviting and, and into our home and hosting. Some people might, might think of that as quite a momentous shift. And I've found often the word sort of management can be very intimidating for tourism businesses, especially as they recover from a difficult few years. You know, when people think about destination management, they can quickly get their back up and, and think about limits and it's already hard enough. Do you have any advice for us for how we consider an approach that could represent a change and, and how, to, how mm -hmm. to go forward? Well, I don't think that this is expected to be a, a sudden switching over of, you know, from one track to another. This is the kind of change that requires an evolution. Um, and so, you know, we do want to help our industry recover. We do want to get to, the, to a, a point where our businesses are prosperous again and have the ability to be thinking about the future, not just thinking about tomorrow and whether or not they're going to survive. So, you know, I, I've, I've often, um, you know, said facetiously that I think it's very hard to have a conversation with our industry. Um, you know, if you imagine that it's, a patient on an operating table, you, you need to stop the bleeding before you can start talking about the diet of the future, you know, and, and we are still stopping the bleeding and making sure that we have a healthy patient so that we can start to evolve um, that lifestyle, that diet and, and uh, have an even better and more prosperous future. So you know, we're not expecting our agency to just our agency, our our industry to just switch gears. But we do hope that by starting this conversation, we will have a new uh, north star, if you will, that allows us to be thinking about where we go in future, how we start evolving to that future, how we make decisions a little differently in the short term, in order to achieve that kind of a future in the long term, and it is you know, amorphous in, in a lot of ways. And, and that's that journey that we're all on is to figure out how do we best deliver net benefits to our, our country, you know, economically, of course, but also socioculturally and environmentally. Because I think we're the industry that is in the best position to do all those things. Um, and so, you know, we have a lot to contribute and we're not optimizing the way our industry can contribute those things. Why, why do you think uh, that our industry is, is the best position for that? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I think because we're, you know, done right, we're, we're additive, not extractive. You know, we really are bringing um, new ways of thinking, new, uh, new economic opportunity, a sharing of cultures, um, uh, a lot of different uh, uh, support for every aspect of sociocultural development, whether it's arts, food, sport, indigenous culture, all of those elements are part of our industry in a way that most industries could never claim. Uh, it, it's also why it's so difficult to capture the full value of our industry. In a, it's not like saying, okay, mining dollars are X in our country. 
when we look at the value that tourism brings to our country, it's a complex equation. And, um, and I think that really is indicative of, of why we have so much potential for bringing good. Talk about sustainability in our industry has shifted in recent years towards more thinking about regeneration. Can you tell us how you think about regeneration? <laughs> I think in its most um, simple way, you know, most people characterize sustainability, I think, as, um, you know, something that can be repeated and do no harm. And I like to believe that once we get beyond the do no harm part, there is a way that we can help our industry not only do no harm, but to ultimately bring that net benefit. We do have the potential to bring wealth and well-being to all of Canada. And that is the, the, that has to be in the form of net benefits, that whatever we are taking or extracting from our communities, we're giving back in a way that is um, additive. So, you know, it is a journey and um, we're not even at, you know, from an environmental perspective, certainly we're not even at a, a net zero kind of do no harm place. And so different parts of our system are going to, you know, develop at different rates. Similarly, if you think about um, a regenerative notion around reconciliation, you know, introducing Canadians and the world to the richness of our Indigenous history is another regenerative aspect or, or has regenerative potential. Um, the whole process of re reconciliation is intended to be repairing and restoring and regenerating um, uh, culture and uh, community. Uh, amongst Canadians with uh, Indigenous people. So I, I just think there's so many opportunities, but each of these parts of, of a regenerative system will move at a different pace, I think. So as we are embarking on this destination management journey, um, we're looking at Revelstoke in 2073. So we um, plan on launching wow. our, our plan next year. Yeah, so we're looking 50 years into the future. Um, because we want to ensure that our stakeholders are really thinking long term um, because we, we really believe that, you know, the actions we take today are going to have a, a long term effect and that it's important that we we stretch our vision a little bit. Um, so if Revelstoke's tourism industry is able to align with Destination Canada's vision for regenerative tourism, what do you imagine it could look like 50 years from now, either in a small mountain town like Revelstoke or the tourism industry in Canada as a whole? Wow, that's a really tough question, I have to tell you. Um, you know, I think what it will do is sharpen the sense of culture and community that already exists there. Um, you know, the world has drifted toward more, I think, homogenization um, and, and commonality in so many ways. But I think the, the potential of tourism is actually to really enliven what is so special about place in a certain place and to be more appreciative of um, and accepting of the differences between people and place and rather than trying to meld everybody and, and uh, search only for common elements to actually appreciate what's different because that's why we travel, isn't it? 
ultimately, if the world is all the same, why go anywhere, you know? Um, and, and I worry when I go to the main streets of major cities and you see the same uh, global brands going down main street of all the big fashion brands and the global, you know, uh, retailers. And, and th that, in my view, diminishes that sense of place. I mean, we all love shopping in those stores. Uh, but ultimately preserving what made that place unique in its people, in the culture, in the architecture, in all those elements is what causes us to want to get to know the world more. And so uh, it, if I imagine what Revelstoke is 50 years from now, it will have an even stronger sense of place and a stronger sense of culture and be prosperous because of it. Later in the series, we're going to be airing an interview that we've done with Dancho Rinzen, who run, he has your job in Bhutan. And Bhutan uh, is, is a really fascinating model for the tourism industry where, you know, since the 70s, they've had, they've had limits on how many tourists can come into the country and, and, and not insignificant fee to, for, the, for the privilege per day. And... When we asked him a similar question, it's amazing how aligned you both are. And he said, he, he said something that really um, slapped me over the face a little bit that I've, I've reflected on a lot. We said, what would happen if Bhutan threw open the, the borders? What, what would be the impact in Bhutan? And he said, our residents would lose their sense of place and identity. And our visitors would only see other visitors. And it occurred to me that I don't know if I've ever really had a travel experience at, at that level of depth and, and the you know, homogeneity that you mentioned um, is, is a really similar undercurrent. So it'll be interesting to, to hear those two interviews. As we begin to plan for Revelstoke's future, do you have any advice for us? Well, I would say take your time um, you know, to really engage deeply with with the, all the stakeholders that need to contribute to this process and feel some ownership in it does take time. And I know as business people, we like to, you know, get things done and make things happen and achieve deadlines. But something as important as this that will characterize, you know, not just what the tourism industry will be for your community 50 years from now, but actually have much broader reaching impacts, um, not only on, you know, the, the uh, core of what is Revelstoke today, but the ecosystem around that it operates around. So thinking about how you as a community connect to your neighbors, how you intersect with both, you know, the, the people and the places um, that are, uh, are part of your natural world, you're going to have a much bigger impact than you imagine um, as you start to go down your path. So I would engage more broadly than just your immediate neighbors and think about, are we part of a more connected system, a corridor or, um, or a cluster of communities that actually really rely on each other and work together, um, not just for tourism, but as part of our overall wealth and well-being and, and think about those other interconnectivities. And, and that will take some time and patience. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess listening is, is probably the, the best asset you'll have uh, along that journey. 
Thanks, Marcia. That's terrific advice, and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Great to see you both. Thanks, Marcia. This has been Think Revelstoke, presented by Tourism Revelstoke and Destination Think. Our hosts are Robin Goldsmith and Rodney Payne. This episode has been produced and has theme music composed by me, David Archer. Lindsay Payne and Annika Rautiola provided production support. Our show comes from the beautiful city of Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada, located on the land of the Sinaixt, the Shishwetmek, the Silix, and the Ktenaha. Next episode, we'll speak with Kathy Ritter, formerly the CEO of the Colorado Tourism Office, to learn about how that state's ski towns are managing tourism. See you then.